This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Live from Joe's mom's cuddly little basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey there, everyone. Down here, we're always about celebrating Take Your Teddy Bear to Work Day. I mean, who isn't? And this year's no exception. I brought along old, reliable Mr. Snuggles, Leave it to these two buttheads to ruin things, though, because OG brought down his G.I. Joe with Kung Fu Grip, and Joe's got this stupid Teddy Ruxpin board game. Don't worry, though, I'll make up for their major faux pas with today's guests. Today, we welcome here to talk how insurances are priced from Haven Life, actuary Matt Wolf. Also, in our headlines, we welcome another teddy bear, the man with the social media buzz from the Buzz Index, Jamie Wise. We'll also throw out the Haven Lifeline to Rachel, who has an investing question, and answer a letter from David, who wonders how to evaluate financial advisors, and still leave room to tuck everyone in with my soothing trivia. And now, here are two guys who are a couple of furries themselves, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G! I'm fairly certain... That doesn't mean what he thinks it means. <laughs> what do you do at Comic-Con? I dress up like a Teddy Ruxpin. Hey, everybody. I am Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter, and uh, another creepy beginning. We're, we're, we're having creepy beginning of the show week, I think. I think that's what it really is here. Well, it's, you know, it is October, Halloween, right? So we're a little uh, little creepy. I don't know. Maybe we're always a little creepy. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're a little creepy. Uh, across the card table from me, that's the one and only other guy, as we call him, OG. 
Yes, sir. Yeah. And uh, man, life insurance today. I'm so excited because when I figured out how insurance has got priced and I'm sure I'm going to pressure Matt Wolf to not just talk about life insurance, but to talk about all types of insurance. And you know what? I know the guy. It's not going to take much pressure to get Matt to talk about something he loves as much as how great is it that guy loves being an actuary, you know? Like taking your lunchbox to work and so excited. Guess what I get to do today? I get to price out insurance products. Play with a slide rule. Hey, oh, you know what else I hey, oh, about OG? I hey, oh, about passive income. And let's take a second to talk about how you can start earning passive income by investing in rental properties through Roofstock. They're an online marketplace for buying and selling tenant occupied homes, whether you're in California or New York. Roofstop makes it efficient and hassle-free to diversify your portfolio and invest from anywhere in high-yield markets like Atlanta or Memphis. They lay all the property reports and financials at your fingertips and even connect you with vetted local property managers for hassle-free ownership. How great is that? If you're just starting off in real estate, how great is it that you can have already vetted property managers and tenants in place? Every property is thoroughly vetted by the Roofstock certification team, so you know it's in good condition with a reliable tenant in place. Best of all, Roofstock certified properties are backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Roofstock property investing made simple. Visit stackybenjamins.com forward slash Roofstock to learn more about rental home investing and browse exclusive listings today. That's stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Roofstock. And another place that doesn't lock me in and makes me more flexible is magnifymoney.com because when you head to magnify money guess what you find that savings account that checking account you've been using maybe not as good as they should be because if you just walk into the bank and say give me the best you got the best your bank's got probably isn't the best that's out there stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money the average person saves 450 dollars 4.5 benjamins that's a lot of money for just a few minutes work i mean if you if you take the hourly rate of what you make by going to magnify money. I think that's probably that that's about half of what you make OG. So that's pretty good. <laughs> hey, 450 bucks, four and a half hundred, 45% of a thousand dollars. That's me getting my actuary on. <laughs> hey, Matt Wolf. There's a new sheriff in town. There's a new sheriff in town. forward slash magnify money, whether it's uh, refinancing those student loans, getting your debt in order with either a personal loan, consolidation loan, 0% transfer credit cards, balance transfer credit cards. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. We're about to magnify this entire podcast because, baby, we got Matt Wolf here talking about how insurances are priced. And you're not going to want to miss this because it's going to change the way you think about insurance. And I'm so excited about that. But first, we got some awesome headlines, so let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Our first headline comes to us from Investment News. We've been reporting on these 401k cases and people suing their 401k plans, OG. Mm-hmm. Listen to this. Judge, some successful, some not. Yeah, well, and lately, as you know, a lot of them not successful. And here's another one to throw on that pile. Judge dismisses lawsuit against Fidelity alleging fault in Delta 401k plan. The Delta Family Savings Care Plan had $8.2 billion in assets as of December 31st, 2015. Judge threw this out late last month. Uh, what was alleged was that the plaintiffs claimed that the fee-sharing arrangement between Fidelity and Financial Engines which wasn't named as a defendant, is, quote, unrelated 
to any substantial services performed by defendants and artificially inflates the cost of investment advice by plan participants, according to the judge's ruling. So this this group financial engines, we keep seeing them show up over and over and over. So I don't know if it's the same attorneys going after financial engines in different companies or what, but financial engines is a company that helps people do financial planning inside their 401k. And yeah, investment management or discretionary trading inside their 401k. Yep. And they do uh, a revenue sharing arrangement with whoever runs the 401k. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is the second one of these involving financial engines we've seen that just got the boot. So the plaintiffs are alleging that there's no real benefit and it's just jacking up the cost. And I think what Fidelity's point was in this is there is some benefit, right? And we're, we are providing you fiduciary services by allowing you to have access to somebody who can help you. I mean, I know they threw it out for a different reason, but more options available. Isn't a bad thing. Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, I don't know everything about this case and I do get it that if I'm, if I'm just going to go low cost, right. If I'm a low cost 401k participant and all I'm going to do is bury myself in the lowest cost exchange traded funds and sit there then I think that all this extra stuff that other people want to do, that that's extra. But that's kind of like, you know, I'm in a swimming pool and I never use the deep end. So I sue the people that have the pool. <laughs> I like that analogy. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Why do I have to pay for my full YMCA membership when I only use the hot tub? <laughs> that's right. Duh. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's not my fault that you don't go use the weights. You know? Right. I think, though, more options in a 401k does not necessarily make it a 401k, a, a better 401k, though. I mean, I've seen plenty of 401ks that have lots of options and they're all high fees. Well, and again, I mean, it ends up being a race to the bottom. Could you argue that because we didn't use the such and such as S&P 500 index fund at 0.03 percent and the one we have is 0.1 are you screwing me out a 0.07% return? Because you know what I mean? Like you could play this game with just about anything. Yeah. Well, and once again, the system is kind of saying, yeah, no mas. We've, we've, we've talked about this before. People that, uh, you know, are splitting those hairs. I've never seen anybody. I've never seen anybody say I didn't retire on time because my fund was 0.12 versus 0.07. Right. That screwed me out of retirement. Haven't seen that happen. Uh, the first dragon is save, save early and often, like a Chicago election. I think that's a good mantra. And in our second headline today, we visit again with the man, the myth, the legend, the social media guru on this here podcast, Mr. Buzz Index. Jamie Wise joins us. Hey, man. Joe, how are you? Great to be back with you. Well, I'm glad that you always fly to Texarkana for these from Canada. Well, we do what we can. We are Canadian, so you know we're liking to uh, like to make friends and keep our That's good right. reputation in check here. Yeah, mom, mom appreciates your dedication. I got to tell you that. But let's start off with your dedication to this here index. There is a new sheriff in town, and it's called Mattel. Everybody online seems to be talking Mattel. What's that all about? I know another new entrant into the Buzz Index, which we haven't seen before, and and it's probably a combination of a couple of things. Remember, the overall conversation around stocks continues to grow. Our eligible universe grows alongside with that, and Mattel is one that we picked up on last month. You know, we we all saw the headlines of Toys R Us filing for bankruptcy and wow, what does that mean? And of course, many of our children freaked out when they heard it, but. Alongside the Toys R Us story were the shares of the toy manufacturers as well, which were really selling off hard all year long. I think 
the Toys R Us story just pushed them down that last leg lower that people thought, okay, if Toys R Us isn't around, will they still be able to sell as much product? But what we saw was a classic kind of value conversation within the online community where people said, wait a second, these stocks have been pushed down too far, too fast. Mattel still makes has a great brand, great products. It's not going away. It's not a Toys R Us story. Now's the time to add it to your portfolio. Well, it's it's funny because I love the different conversations that we find people having in social media because sometimes you and I get together and we talk like on this, on Mattel, we talk value. And other months we get together like we did on biotech and it's growth that we're talking about. Right. There's always a reason why people may be bullish about a stock or a story or a sector, right? And it could be value. It could be growth. And that's really what we're at at our core here is thinking about sentiment momentum, that factor of sentiment and not trying to strip it down into either growth or value, but trying to capture all the securities within those styles that may be positioned for appreciation. I want to talk about something I think might be a story that is only halfway through. You and I talked at the end of last year and earlier this year about biotech again, but now the story seems to be financials. Financials have continued to go up a little bit, but we saw the buzz index shave financials, which means people online are saying that uh, financials might not be as hot as they used to be. Really interesting for us to see what the conversation and how quickly the conversation and the sentiment has changed around financials. And this is unlike Mattel, which was a value name, which had a nice bounce, 4% after it came into the index. We saw people get negative or at least a lot less positive on financials with four financial names coming out of our index in our last rebalance. So JP Morgan, Citibank, Blackstone and Goldman Sachs all left the index, leaving the sector weight within the buzz index at just one and a half percent, really its lowest level in, in over a year. And this might be one of those stories where maybe the online community is a little bit early. The stocks, you know, financial stocks have generally drifted higher over the last couple of weeks, but there seem to be some headwinds that people are concerned about. And whether that is you know, how fast those stocks have been rallying this year, whether it's uncertainty about who might be leading the Federal Reserve, and there's a lot of conversation around that. Whatever the case, we're seeing something and the online community is seeing something which is causing them to grow cautious on the sector. Yeah, because I've seen watching uh, financial news shows, a lot of talk about who the who might replace Janet Yellen and fears that interest rates might go up. That also plays into some of the real estate concerns that we've seen. And obviously, financials are involved in all those areas. Absolutely. And they're sensitive to interest rates. They're sensitive to sentiment. Yeah. They're, yeah. Sentim they're very sensitive to any kind of speculation about a Fed chair. We'll see what the president does. He always seems to surprise us one way or another. You know, will there be a new Fed chair who's uh, sort of bent on calming down markets, who's, uh, you know, a pro Wall Street type of individual or someone who is really going to try and fight back against the establishment? uncertainty reigns. And when uncertainty reigns, we see that dip in sentiment. We're seeing it reflected in the financials. Well, let's talk about another position that you're out of, a company that's been on a tear lately, improving their product, improving their delivery has been Domino's. And we saw you and I talked about them just recently. But when I got my buzz flash, I noticed that on the monthly update, Jamie, that Domino's is out again. But it seems like you guys kind of wrote a nice little gain for Domino's. Yeah, I guess easy come, easy go, just as quick as their delivery. Uh, we were surprised <laughs> to see it in. And, and what we noticed at the time and what we commented on in the previous monthly update was that, you know, 
the, the stock was turning into a bit of a value play. It was a contrarian view by the community, and they thought that it was really ripe for a bounce. It had just fallen too far too fast. And, and we picked it up in that uh, August rebalance and took it up 5%. So the stock rallied. And I think that was enough for the community to say, okay, it's recovered what it should. It's probably more fairly valued now. Sentiment fell and wasn't high enough to remain in the index. So sometimes we get these names that come in and out quickly. Domino's is a nice example of that, where we're able to take a, a nice return for just a one-month hold. I think, it's, I think it's more simple than that, Jamie. I think with the start of college and pro football season, Labor Day weekend, everybody was just thinking pizza. That's all they were thinking. And now they're they're over it, right? Now they're back on with their life. Well, we'll keep an eye on it come January when Super Bowl season runs around. But uh, very interesting observation. That just may be the case. It might be that simple. Another nice month for the index. The Buzz Index beat the uh, S&P 500 by 30 basis points, which is three-tenths of 1%. So nice job there, Jamie. And by the way, if people want more on the Buzz Index or the monthly rebalancing uh head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash b-u-z-z to get that or you can trade the the uh buzz index as uh ticker symbol b-u-z by the way i should also disclose that i own the buzz index doesn't make it right for you but i own shares in that jamie wise thanks for hanging out man always great being here thanks joe you know oh gee this idea with financials and people online the online collective as it is thinking that financials might be overpriced we talked a little bit about maybe this is about the 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 new Fed chairman and people wondering about the interest rate environment. You think maybe that has to do with the reason why they don't like financials right now? I have absolutely no idea. I think I guess for me I would look at it from the perspective of, you know, with with interest rates being low, banks aren't charging a lot of interest on on loans and some of these long-term loans like mortgages and that sort of thing are kind of locked in at this uh, lower price. So there's not as much profit there. And and if interest rates do go up, then they're going to have a whole bunch of loans outstanding at a lower rate, but they're going to have to start paying higher interest on deposits. So it uh, could be a little bit about the unknown there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, plays out. Feels like there's, there's a lot more to come when we talk to Jamie next month. But I think the lessons are, number one, uh, your 401k, save a lot, OG. Save and save and save. As much as you can. And then a second lesson, pizza, mm, not just for breakfast anymore. Before Matt Wolf heads down the stairs, OG, let's talk a little bit about this guy. He is the product and actuarial lead at Haven Life. Do stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life for more. And by the way, I want to say that even though Haven Life is our sponsor on uh, the Haven Lifeline here, this company so innovative. If you look at the articles about them in Fast Company, in the New York Times, they have had so many exciting things written about them lately and how innovative they are. I'm so excited that they decided to sponsor the show because of that. And I, talking to our friend Brittany over at Haven Life, said, hey, do you think Matt would come on and explain insurance? Because he's a really entertaining guy. He's been on our SB Live, hashtag SB Live, Facebook Live show that we do almost every Thursday at noon Eastern. He's a really smart guy. He oversees all the product designs and pricing analyses that happens at Haven Life. And he provides actuarial guidance and support to marketing and technology and serves as an advocate for profitable and competitive pricing of modern life insurance insurance. 
buying experience and product. Uh, excited that Matt Wolf coming down to the basement. Let's say hello and learn about how insurances get priced. And coming down the stairs here to the basement, Matt Wolf. Hey, man, welcome. Thanks. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're here to talk insurance. So do you go into a bar and just start talking insurance and that's how you get a free table when there isn't one? <laughs> I wish that's how it worked. Uh, unfortunately, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start here because I hear so many times, you know, having been a financial planner and even doing the show, that insurance company ripped me off. You have to hear the same thing. What's your first thought when you hear that? It's frustrating for me because I think it, it means the industry has failed. In my perspective, what makes it even harder is that it's my job to make sure that we've priced things fairly. And so when a customer feels like they're getting ripped off, it kind of like, you know, eats at me internally because I'm like, but but we tried so hard to make sure that it was fairly priced. I think what's really happening is a couple different possible explanations. But one is that we as an industry didn't make the product offering easy to understand or that the customer was maybe uh, accidentally led to wrong, buy the wrong product or something like that. Um, another possibility is that you know somewhere we've executed poorly, and I say we loosely as the industry, not at Haven Life. It's exciting to be at a company where the first and foremost thing is customer experience, and that means not feeling like you got ripped off. It means feeling like you you got what you wanted uh, and you got it at a fair price. Yeah, but it still has got to be it's it's got to feel like an uphill battle cuz I agree with you, you know, sometimes I feel like explaining insurance is like explaining Greek to somebody who, you know, barely knows how to speak their own language. Yeah, I think that's probably true. It, there's a lot of really tricky parts to what we do in insurance. I think the the goal at least in my mind is to put things in a way that it doesn't come across as Greek. It comes across as English. You know, one of the things that that people have done here is it was before I even started Haven Life was they rewrote all the contracts to be like as close to plain English as they could get. Um, there's a lot of regulation that makes it even harder for you to actually do that. But I'll, I'll give an example. You know, there's a product type out there that can create some confusion. This product like accidental death insurance. People don't really necessarily appreciate what am I buying when I buy a term insurance versus accidental death insurance. So I think it's really important that we explain exactly what the customer is buying so they understand that like, as my dad always used to say, like, you don't want to gamble on your death. So right. <laughs> and how you're going to die, actually, is what he said. So, right. you know, accidental death being covers only if you die from, you know, accidental causes and not from medical illness right. versus, versus term insurance, which covers you no matter how you die. And that's why plain English customer centric materials and products and all that are, are really important. Yeah. Help everybody. Help the end consumer. Yeah. I did, I, on accidental death, I I never want to be clutching my chest, having a heart attack, and I got to run out in the road, make sure I get hit by a car. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just don't let that happen. So, but I'm, I'm glad to have you here because I find this, this incredibly fascinating and it completely changed my view of insurance when I found out about how it's priced. So let's talk about that, Matt. How do you price insurance policies? I like to, well, obviously, first of all, I can't speak specifically about, you know, what we do, you know, what Mass Mutual does to price products. But what I can talk is more generically about like how yeah. actuaries in general. Yes, do. right. So the first thing that we do as actuaries is we use historical data to predict the future. Not that different from like a meteorologist tries to predict the weather forecast. And kind of like a meteorologist, it's really hard to predict. And so you might be able to say, there's a hurricane coming, but you don't actually know what path it's going to take. And there could be really serious consequences if you get it wrong. 
Because you're trying uh, to look at you're trying to look at large numbers and extrapolate data for the future based on those large numbers, right? Yeah. So you're trying to look at large amounts of data from the past, like there are 300 million people in the United States. How many people died last year? You know, how many of those people were males who were age 75 years old and things of that nature? So you're trying to collect that data and then apply it to the individual customer who's coming in the door. So someone comes in the door and they tell you about themselves and you say, how can I use the information you've told me about you to best estimate what my risk is? What's the chance that you pass away at various points in time and make sure that you're paying an appropriate price for the risk that we're taking on? Gotcha. And it's a super competitive business. Back to this whole idea that we opened up with about people feeling like they get ripped off. I mean, if for some reason Mass Mutual decides to gouge their customer, there's going to be 10 different other companies that jump on that. Isn't that right? Yeah, it's actually it's, it almost it goes the opposite way. So every time you price a product, you're under a lot of pressure in the industry to compete with the fact that three other companies just cut their prices to make right. it more competitive. Right. Um, it's extremely competitive. There's hundreds of insurance, life insurance companies in the United States. There's a lot of competition out there. Yeah, right. Uh, so then based on what you said, you're looking at my medical data and you're then comparing it against all these large numbers. And then you're deciding where I fall in this, uh, these reams of data that you have. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty accurate thing. There's a few other things that go into well, sure. it. Right. Regulators <laughs> try to make sure that we don't take too much risk. So there's actually something that's pushing back on us to make sure we don't price it too low. So you've got all this competition that's driving the price down. But the regulators actually, not only do they want the prices to be good and fair to the customer, they also want to make sure that you as an insurance company, you're going to be around right. for 20, 30 years when you actually have to pay these claims. So they actually put in precautions to say, you know, make sure you, you charge enough that you can actually pay out these claims in the future. Yeah. In that case, regulators really do their job. I mean, people rip on regulators all the time, but based on what you're talking about, I mean, this is an important thing for the consumer. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's extremely important. If it wasn't for this, the competition would drive prices to be so low. And then you probably see a lot more insurance companies going bankrupt. But it's very rare that you hear about an insurance company getting into financial difficulty. And this is why, you know, there's regulations to prevent it, to make sure that they can keep the promises. At the end of the day, that's all insurance is. It's a promise, right? So right. we want them to be around to make, you know, make do on that promise. But you guys work with so much data. If me and my buddy are the same age and we're both working with insurance companies that went through the whole medical underwriting, you know, we went through medical underwriting ahead of time. You looked at our data and both actuaries compared both of those. I would think that if I'm paying more money than my buddy is, that means you guys think I'm going to die first. Is that what that means? <laughs> so it's tough for me to say yes as an actuary. <laughs> Actuaries were very like precise generally as an industry, <laughs> but more or less, I think that you're, it's, it's the general theme is accurate. Though. Yeah. I'm not even going to tell my buddy what I'm paying for insurance. I'm just going to ask him what he's paying. And if, I pay, <laughs> and if I'm paying less, I'm high-fiving him and I'm not telling him why. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> What about this one, though? When it comes to just insurance in general, something I used to hear around disability was, I'm a safe skier, I'm a great driver, so bad things won't happen to me. But I think your statistics show that there's probably a better chance of it happening to me than I think. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the first thing is, you know, accidents happen, right? And we call car accidents, car accidents for a reason. You know, mo most of them are accidental. You don't plan on it. 
And it's often not your fault, right? Somebody else does something or there's some, you know, confluence of events that causes it. If you're skiing down a hill and somebody else hits you, you could be the best skier ever. But if they fly out from behind another slope or whatever, you don't see them coming. uh, It doesn't matter. So there's always risk from the world around you. And I think that's important. That's why you get insurance. It's not always about things that you can control. But that also tells me, Matt, that, and this has nothing to do with just what you do at Haven Life with Term Insurance, because actuaries are looking at risk all the time. And I think this is important for my listeners to remember. If an insurance type like disability coverage can be pretty darned expensive, if an insurance type is more expensive, that doesn't mean insurance companies are ripping you off. It means a guy like you looked at the risk and said, we need to raise that rate because, you know, if, if we end up having to pay Joe because he got hurt on the ski slopes, then we're going to have to have enough money to pay his claim. Yeah, absolutely. Going to the example you were going before, right? So we can lower the right rate for someone because they're a good driver, because we think that they have slightly lower risk, but there's some amount of risk that you can't get rid of. So the rate doesn't go to zero because you're a good driver. There's there's always risk. And yeah, I think you're, you're spot on. Yeah. I if think something's a, a lot more expensive across the industry. It's probably because there's a greater risk or a greater cost if it happens. Which, which is also your frustration and mine around accidental death and dismemberment. doesn't mean it's not important. Like if someone works in a job where they're in heavy machinery, putting their hands in stuff or very physical job, well, accidental death and dismemberment might be an important part of your plan. But it's priced differently because of the chance of you dying in an accident is much less than you just dying. Yeah. You're yeah. Right. And you're, you're eliminating, you know, I, I, that's the, you're eliminating a large portion of things, right? So if you get cancer, it doesn't matter that, you know, you had your accidental death coverage. Right. It's not going to cover you. Yeah. That was the big aha for me when I learned this about what you do, that, that all of a sudden I realized that these type, and I want to be clear here, the types of insurance are more expensive, not one company versus another. We already talked about competition, but, but the, the types that are more expensive might be the areas of my life that I need to go, Oh, maybe I need to examine that. Not that I have to buy insurance for that, but that my risk might be higher, but let's, let's talk for a second about insurance companies changing prices. Cause mm-hmm. when not just mass mutual or Haven life, if any company changes prices, whether on new customers or somebody that already has a policy, what goes into that decision-making? Um, well, as before, obviously, you know, it, this is kind of a broad, broad thought here. Sure. And I think it's broad even for the insurance industry as a whole. But the main things that drive it are going to be like either changes in the company's experience or generic market changes. So, so what do I mean? If you're pricing life insurance and you notice that there's an increase in the number of people who are dying of a certain subset of the population, the next time you sell that product, you're probably going to charge more for it. Or if interest rates changes, so the market changes, it means that the company can't earn as much on its portfolio of assets, that might change the price. So those are the types of things that could drive price changes. I think an important thing for people to understand about life insurance, at least the type that, that Haven Life sells, which is you know term life, is that the price is guaranteed for a level number of years. So it's not like your, your renters or your homeowners insurance where the next year they could you know jack up the price on you. Um, when you buy term life insurance, it's guaranteed flat for the length of that term period. The insurance company can't raise the rate on you in that that level period. And that uh, says there are other life insurance products out there that they can do that with, but right. not term insurance. And and that says that in plain English, when somebody gets their insurance policy, I would imagine. Yes, yes, definitely. And I think we got to end this, Matt, with the most important question ever, which is that 
I don't see kids on the playground when they're little pretending they're actuaries, right? They're, <laughs> they're, uh, they're football players, they're, you know, dancers, they're all kinds of different things. But how did you get into your job? I actually, when I was five, I used to play that I was an actuary on the playground. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would have been so um, great, though. <laughs> yeah, when I, I learned about it when I was a little bit younger than most uh, in like middle school. But um, the reality is, it was, I think most actuaries that I know kind of went to college. They were interested in math. They were trying to decide what to do with math. And they didn't want to do like research or, or become a professor. They wanted to do something they felt like they had like an immediate impact on society or results. And you start learning about actuaries and insurance. And like the fact that it's a very kind of noble profession in terms of protecting people from risk, it doesn't hurt that it's also one of the highly, you know, highest rated jobs every year on the jobs. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. So you did in middle school, you thought about being an actuary. Yeah. I mean, I heard about it because my cousin's an actuary, but I don't think that it was a definite path until sometime in college. I learned maybe that I wanted to do it really fast in college because I had heard of it, as opposed to a lot of people who learn about it when they're about done with college. You're right. Go, oh, wait, there's another job out there. I've never <laughs> right. heard of that. Yeah. So are there any good actuary jokes that you can tell us? <laughs> Let's see. I don't know. How can you tell the uh, difference between an accountant and an actuary? Uh, I had no idea. An actuary looks at your feet when they talk to you. <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt Wolf. Thanks a ton for hanging out with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just love National Teddy Bear Day. And so does Mr. Snuggles, because right now he's getting busy at a tea party with Barbie and her hot sister, Skipper. I can assure you, Mr. Snuggles is being the perfect gentleman. He's pretty much using all the Rico Suave moves I taught him. He'll do just fine, long as OG keeps that creep G.I. Joe from butting in. Well, we'll find a way to help Mr. Snuggles move this to second base, but first, let's get you in on the celebration with some teddy bear trivia. The world's first teddy bear museum was set up in, yes, there really is one, that was set up in Petersfield, Hampshire, England. I'm sure we all knew that, but here's the question, in what year? You guys go think about it. Right now, I got to go make sure Mr. Snuggles is moving things along according to plan. Here's a question. What's keeping you away from investing in real estate? Over my career, I repeatedly hear that time, you know, the time it takes to find renters, property managers, and to fix problems and stress What if you don't find a good property manager? What if you don't find a renter? Those are two of the biggest factors keeping people away from investing in real estate. We talked to Gary Beasley, CEO of Roofstock, about how the team at Roofstock are helping you take back a good night's sleep. The biggest pain point I have found is management. When you buy properties, you don't want to get calls about the tenant having a clogged toilet in the middle of the night. We solve that by finding third-party managers in each market who handle all the details for you. How's that for an advantage? Roofstock's online marketplace makes it easier than ever to buy, sell, and own tenant-occupied investment properties in top rental markets across the country. You own the house, but Roofstock handles as much or as little of the headache-inducing issues that you've come to expect with renting, but that doesn't have to happen if you partner with the right team. Best of all, Roofstock certified properties are backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Check them out at stackybedjamins.com forward slash Roofstock. That's stackybedjamins.com forward slash roofstock. 
guy, raise your hand. Do you drive an extra five minutes in traffic to save just a few pennies at the gas pump? Well, when's the last time you spent five minutes trying to save on the big things like auto loans? Lucky for you, we brought in Nick Clemens from Magnify Money with a few tips on saving money if you find yourself financing a car. If you're buying a new car, there's really no better deal than the 0% financing that would be offered by the manufacturer. The issue really starts to happen if you don't qualify for the manufacturer's financing or you're buying a used car. And in those cases, I, I think it's a very good idea to always shop online and get a low rate before you walk onto the lot. Uh, chances are high that the dealer will beat it, but if you don't walk onto the lot with a low rate to begin with, you know you won't get the best deal. Thanks, Nick. More than just auto loans, Magnify Money's the perfect spot for reviewing just how well or not your checking and savings accounts are performing. You might just decide to switch banks, and guess what? Why stick with just one bank at all when you can use magnifymoney.com to always find best-in-class stuff? Stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney. Average person saves $450 in interest when they go there. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney. Hey, trivia nerds, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and just after I fired up the Barry White for Mr. Snuggles, Barbie and her hot sister, Skipper, suggested they move the party on over to the Dreamhouse pool. While they were passing by the canned goods section of the basement, Barbie started begging for pudding. You know what we always say here in Joe's mom's house, Barbie. How can you have your pudding if you don't eat your meat? But hey, let's get you back to your trivia. Here was the question. The world's first teddy bear museum was set up in Petersfield, Hampshire, England. In what year? The answer? Well, I know you probably think teddy bear museums have been around forever, and they should have been. The first one was actually set up in 1984, way later than all of us expected. Swing and a miss, man. Off by 50 years. <laughs> oh, well. But that's because you think teddy bear museums should have been set up sooner, don't you? I have a teddy bear museum in my uh, <laughs> <You> my <did>. closet. <laughs> you're working on a kid museum is what you're working on. <laughs> You've got three three exhibits already? Yeah, my kids, right, yeah. Yeah. If I put like a little glass in front of them, it's like a living diorama. Right, right. I love... People, people can come in and... Watch them sit and watch TV and play on their iPads all day. I love how when I come over, you like hand me some like kibble and I stand behind that, that, that little kid fence and I throw stuff in and, and, yeah, and like they, Cheerios. Yeah. And then they run and they get it. It's, it's really, it's really fun. Yeah. You don't put your fingers in the holes. You do not. Right off. Do not yeah, put your, bite them right off. Do not put your finger in the hole. Uh, hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle. Some of life's or rather life insurance's most important questions are friends over at Haven Life Insurance Agency. They are disrupting the life insurance industry by focusing on those two things you value most, OG. And I got one of the two. I value my fingers. Yeah, finger one and finger two. <laughs> right. Now, this time it's your family and your time. It's why they created a high quality, affordable term life insurance policy issued by Mass Mutual. You can purchase entirely online. Qualified healthy applicants. Well, guess what's great for you? You can skip the medical exam. By the way, if you're not healthy and you don't qualify, you can skip to the medical exam, but everybody else skips the medical exam. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote and learn about life insurance the modern way. That's stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. 
Today, we're throwing out the Haven Lifeline to our new BFF, Rachel. Say hello, Rachel. Hey, Joe and OG. Thanks so much for the show. You taught me a ton about trading penny stocks and shorting the VIX. I've still got a few things to learn, though, so here's a question for you. A few years ago, my husband inherited a large chunk of cash. Here's our situation. He's 53. I'm 50. We currently have roughly $500,000 in IRAs, about $850,000 in various investment accounts, and no debt. We own our home. Our combined earned income is only about $60,000 a year. That's enough for us to get by without dipping into savings. We hope to retire in about 10 years. I think we'd feel most comfortable if we were able to save roughly $3 million to retire with. So here's my question. Should we max out our retirement contributions from our earned income? My husband could put up to 50% of his salary in a 401k. I could put up to $15,500 in my simple. We could each put $6,500 a year into our Roth. And we can also put $6,750 into our HSA. But putting this much of our earnings, that's almost $50,000 a year, into retirement would mean we'd have to dip into the investment accounts to live off of. My thought is that it moves more of our money into tax-favorable retirement accounts. My husband's less comfortable with the idea of selling our equities and paying those taxes now. What do you think? I'd love to hear from you. Thanks. Boy, here's a financial planning question. What do you do there, OG? This is an interesting question. What you're trying to do is is really optimize the tax rates, right? You're trying to defer taxes today and have a low tax rate in order to pay a little bit of tax now based on the capital gains and that sort of thing. Here's some unanswered questions that make it really tough to really pin this down. But where did the inheritance come from? Is that sitting in a non-qualified account? Is that the, is the, I should say, is the inheritance the non-qualified account? In which case, depending on when you got it, and maybe you said that earlier and I missed it, will depend on what the tax rates are associated with that. That was, that was my first question is we really have to know what the tax is going to be when they sell before you do anything. Yeah. And the reason we're talking about that, if I bought a stock for a dollar a share and when I die, it's worth a hundred a share and I leave that to my kids, my kids don't have the dollar a share cost anymore. They get the hundred dollar a share cost. And so even though it had $99 of gains that if I sold in my lifetime, I'd pay taxes on, uh, my kids will pay zero taxes if they sell it right now. It's called a step up in basis. So you hear that phrase. And so maybe that happened and maybe the tax bill of the non-qualified money isn't as as great as you think. The other thing I would be thinking about too is, um, and I don't think you mentioned how old you are, but do you need some of that non-qualified money to bridge a gap in retirement between when you are going to retire and when you can access your, your qualified plans? You know, maybe you want to retire at 55, but you know, you don't want to touch your IRAs until you're 60. Another reason to use the non-qualified money in the future is it also gives you some more flexibility with social security. So there's a lot of questions about when the best time is to claim social security, 62, full retirement age of 66. Should I wait till 70? All of those have different implications, of course. But the one thing that's that's certain is that you need to be able to fund the difference in the meantime. You know, if you're planning on getting social security at 62, but financially it makes more sense to wait till 70, you still have eight years that you have to, you know, live on before you can turn turn on social security if you want to, if you want to maximize it that way. So some unanswered things. I guess generically speaking, I would add one more kind of level of questions to the plan. And that is if you can drive down your tax rate today to darn near zero, 
why not start doing conversions of your qualified plans if you can into Roth IRAs over the next 10 years? Go right up to that tax bracket line. Yeah, whatever the number is, 15% goes up to about 73-ish thousand of, of taxable income. So, so you've got a, a ways to go. I would be also adding that to the to the calculation and saying, yeah, I can take I can drive my tax rate down to darn near nothing by by putting all this money in qualified plans. But at the same time, I would be wanting to turn all that, <laughs> turn all that around and see the benefit of maybe not having any qualified plans. I'm all be, you know, Roths. You're effectively just trading the tax bill today for the tax bill later. And if your lifestyle suggests that you're going to be at 60000 of income today, but you want $3 million in retirement, which would mean that you can probably draw $100,000, um, I think you got to be aware of what that ticking time bomb is of qualified plans, you know, at age 70. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to be there at age 70 with $2 million bucks, and now you're taking out $80,000 a year. Yeah, tons of money that you're not going to spend. You know, it, it, and that brings up another issue that I had that, frankly, the only issue I had that you didn't already address, OG, which was I worry about moving money from a flexible spot over to a spot that has consequences to take it when it comes to behavior. Because I've seen people with plenty of money, but they let the tax tail wag the dog. And so they decide yeah. not to spend the money. And this is, a, this is an issue with annuities, by the way. Annuity, when you put money in an annuity, the money is last in, first out, meaning that when you put money in an annuity, the interest that it gains is the first stuff that has to come out, which means you're going to get slammed with taxes first before you can get at the money that's not going to be taxed. And because of that, a lot of people put money in annuities and then they never spend it. They never spend any of the money. They could have done 50 other things with that money that would have been better. So less to do with taxes, which I know is what Rachel's trying to optimize and more to do with behavior. So I would have a serious discussion about what your lifestyle goals are. Once you reach the 3 million and you're trying to propel your lifestyle, like let's spend a little time thinking about your strategy of taking money out, which has a lot to do with what you talked about, about 70 and a half OG and those requirement minimum distributions too. Well, and there's some other stuff too, right? The higher your income, the higher your Medicare costs are in retirement. Um, it's just a income-based deal. The higher the taxability of your Social Security is, yeah. you know, and and there's a lot of dominoes that fall that we don't really contemplate, you know, 15, 20 years out, and 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 we go, hey, I'm going to have three million dollars in my IRA. That's great, except now the government really wants you to take a hundred thousand a year out of that, and and that plus Social Security plus a pension. All of a sudden, you look like you make two hundred grand a year. Well, that's really not what's happening. It's just it's that's the taxation of it. So there is a correct way to do this. You can sit down and figure this out year to year and say this year we're going to do this and this year we're going to do that. But I don't think it's an all or nothing plan. I think maybe it's a little bit of everything. Yeah. Thanks for the question, Rachel. Oh, by the oh, there's one more thing I forgot. OG. You know, and the the more money she has, the more money she should send to her favorite podcasters, too. That's oh, in, in well, a, yeah, if you've got some extra clearly important part of the plan, Rachel. Thanks for the question, Rachel. If you've got a question and would like us to throw out Haven Lifeline to you, just head to stackybenjamins.com and across the top it says questions for the show. And you click that little button and you'll find the Haven Lifeline. Doug also brings down the mail and out of the mail sack today, we've got one from David says, hey, Joe and OG, here's something I've always wondered. When evaluating investment advisors or financial planners, what should I look for in terms of how that person will advise me on the funds in my 403B account? I've heard of some advisors that will advocate only contributing as much to get the company match 
and then funneling all other funds to the advisor's investment platform. I've heard of others who are willing to help manage all the funds within the 403B, even though they're not making money from those investments. I'm young and just starting out in my career, and it'll probably be a few years before I have any money to invest outside of the 403B plan. The 403B that I have access to has a great selection of funds to choose from, several low-cost index funds through Vanguard, etc. Furthermore, as a high-income earner, I appreciate the tax break the saving in the 403B provides, so I don't really see the need to look for another investment platform at this point in time. However, I also don't want to miss out on the advice that an advisor can provide. Any suggestions? Thanks for the help. Love the show. Keep up the great work. David. David, great question about advisors. And man, do I have some thoughts on this one, OG, but let's uh, go to the expert first. Yeah. So every advisor and every advisory firm is going to work differently. Some people work only to manage money. Some people work on an hourly basis to build financial plans. Some people aggregate all of your assets and bill you on them. Some people don't. And so a little bit of is is going to be able to find a professional that works the way that you need help and also is in alignment with the goals that you're working on and can serve you the best. There's a whole new genre, I guess, of, of financial planners who are billing by the hour, who are billing on like a project basis. And especially early on, you don't need the full service wealth management, you know, concierge platform type deal, you know, when you're just starting out and you're putting money in your 403B. That being said, however, maybe it does make sense, by the way, to do a little bit in the 403B and a little bit into like something else, <laughs> you know, say the same thing. you know, just because they recommend it doesn't mean it's bad for you. Here's 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 the issue with me. And I get what David's getting at. There are commission based advisors that just want to bring in as much commission as possible to their platform. And so they say, hey, get the match and then everything else, make it flexible. If you start with your goal first, David, I don't think you have that issue. Because the problem with the 403B is getting the money out. And if you've got goals that are pre the time that you can get the money out without hoops, you're going to have a bunch of wrangling to get money out where if you just saved into the right area, you would have had a much easier and much more effective game plan. So the 403B is great. And it sounds like you've got a great one for the purpose of retirement planning. But if your goal is not retirement planning, I would question why you'd put money there versus someplace else. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Great, great stuff. By the way, a key word you want to know too, David, there is called fiduciary. Ask the person if they're a fiduciary. And now a fiduciary still might say only save up to the match, but you want them to couch that around why. And if that why involves, listen, David, you've got enough money for retirement. Here's the projections that we did for you. You know, here's here's what it went into those projections. It shows you have enough. You've got these goals that are pre-retirement. And now after the match, we want to put the money over here so that it's more flexible. I think your fiduciary did you a favor. If they can't tell you why, you should you should put beyond the match someplace else. Well, then I don't think uh, I don't think that's great. And certainly I second OG's advice about the hourly financial advisor, too, for some people that just are using it for the 403B. If you've got a question for the show and would like to send us a letter, it's joe at stackingbenjamins.com or once again, head up to that link at the top of the Stacking Benjamins page, which is questions for the show. And you'll see both the Haven Lifeline and the link to write us a letter. Thanks also to people who've left reviews of this crazy little show. You know, it's funny. Uh, a lot of times people don't know what they're getting into when they listen to the Stacky Benjamin show, because instead of 
trying to be the last word in personal finance. We're trying to be the greatest uh, money show on earth. A little bit of a circus going on here, OG, if you didn't know. Uh, Who's the ringleader of the circus? Sometimes I think it's the people that leave reviews that are the ringleaders. Because listen to this, five stars from Captain No Value. Uh, The whole review is in the title. It says, not a dumpster fire. (laughs) 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 I, I love... The people that review our show, there's just, and there's just a period. I think they had to put a period in the uh, review line to make it actually take it, but not a dumpster fire. Great review. And that one's going on mom's fridge coming up on Friday. We've got a fantastic round table from the dumpster dog blog, Amanda Holden. She is up for funniest. Uh, I don't think that's the, that's the correct term OG, but if only I had a way to look that up, but instead I'm going to say there's a category in the Plutus awards for funniest blog, most humorous blog, maybe Uh, Amanda Holden runs the dumpster dog blog. And uh, for a while she lived on almost no money, had a serious budget and her friends started calling her a dumpster diver. And uh, she's very entertaining and she and Greg McFarlane are going to entertain us on Friday. All right, that's it. We'll see you back here on Monday, OG. We'll see the rest of you back here on Friday. Let's go stack some Benjamins. Mr. Doug, it's all yours now. Take it away. Yeah, sure thing, Joe. Why don't you get back to playing with Teddy Ruxpin and trying to teach him those special skills you were telling me about. I'll tell everybody what they should have learned today. First, take some advice from Matt Wolf. If a policy is priced highly, maybe that means it's more important to consider. Cheap policy types? Those only have limited uses, and you might think more about covering those risks yourself. Second, thinking about hiring a financial advisor? Remember the word fiduciary. Fiduciary. And also, ask questions about how they're paid. And while you're at it, ask them how to pronounce fiduciary. It's a hard word. But the big lesson? Don't invite Barbie's sister Skipper over for dinner and drinks. That girl can't hold her liquor. Mr. Snuggles is totally bummed right now because Barbie had to be the responsible one and drive her home. Ah, don't worry about it, Mr. Snuggles. You win some, you lose them. It's all a numbers game, I'm telling you. Now, I'm not, I'm not sure how the high the numbers go, but someday we'll figure it out together. Special thanks to Matt Wolf from Haven Life for joining us. You'll find out more about Haven Life at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. Special thanks also to Jamie Wise from the Buzz Index for stopping by to talk about social media. Catch more on the Buzz online at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash buzz. This show was created by Joe Saul produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjaminsCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. And I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, reminding you to send me money. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. The people responsible for this show have been sacked.
We do lots of different things here in the after show. You know, I just found out I don't use Overcast, but people that use Overcast, I actually found this out in Anaheim and I forgot to tell you, people that use Overcast, they have a cool feature on that where they take out all the spaces. And some people say that like if there's a, a big blank space, they take it out. I don't even know what you're talking about. Overcast, what the hell is Overcast? Overcast is a is it's a very popular it's a, player. It's a type of it's a type of weather. Yes, Overcast. It's a very it's a very popular player that people use for their podcast listening. Uh, huh. Very popular on Android, where they don't have a native player like they do on iOS devices. But um, but Kevin in Anaheim told me he uses Overcast to listen. And he never realized that uh, this is actually a separate part of the show because Overcast takes out the <laughs> Overcast takes out the forty five seconds that we put in. Oh, they do. He thinks we finish and we just start talking again. Oh, yeesh. so no such thing as a hidden track if you have Overcast. Uh, very funny. But for those of you new to the after show, we talk about lots of different things, and one of the things that both OG and I do is see movies. OG's finally gotten back on it lately, but. Uh, and so have I after a summer where I didn't see many movies. This movie just came out a couple weeks ago starring Tom Cruise and it's called American Made. This is the United States Drug Enforcement Agency. We are ordering you to land. All right, boys. Let's land. Is he? My name is Barry Seal. That's for the damage for your sister. Hey, little darling, and your bike. Some of this really happened. You never saw me. Top of your class in the Civil Air Patrol, pilot like you shouldn't be flying buses. Welcome to Miami. Welcome to Bakersfield. Haven't you ever wanted something more, Barry? You should be serving your country. Your CIA. <sighs> we need you to deliver stuff for us. Oh, this is legal. If you're doing it for the good guys. So delivering guns to uh, to insurgents is, to is, Nicaragua is, and, uh, is legal. If you're doing it for the good guys, it is. But he's not getting paid much money. So he decides that uh, helping those same guys uh, move some drugs around, put some money in his pocket. And uh, man, game on. This movie, of course, stars Tom Cruise and is different than a lot of movies that I've seen in that it's... It's mostly true, like he said, some of this blank actually happened, and it is, it's a romp. It was, it was two hours where I'm on the edge of my seat, I'm in it, and I have to say that the story itself, even though I didn't know where it was going and I was interested in where the story was going, this movie starts and ends with a great performance from Tom Cruise. And Tom Cruise, man, the past few years, the movies that he's made, by and large, not every movie, The Mummy, mm, but... Most movies Tom Cruise has made been really, really good lately. Like ever this since is, this, this Jack one's Reacher. definitely on my list. I saw the trailer for this over the summer, I think, and it kind of follows that same that same pattern, I think, as uh, War Dogs and Pain and Gain, right? Where it's a sensational story that that's hard to believe about something that kind of actually happened. But this one's right? not quite as goofy as as either one of those movies are. And certainly versus War Dogs, way, way, way better film. Well, I don't mean goofiness in terms of the just weird behavior. Yeah, just I mean, like, it seems probably pretty eccentric, right? Like, I, again, I haven't seen it, but I imagine you're going, come on, this couldn't have really happened. 
No, actually, actually, they present it in a way where you know Barry's motivation the entire time. Like at the beginning, when you heard that montage of welcome to Bakersfield, welcome to, to Seattle, welcome to whatever, he's a pilot ferrying people around, like driving a bus, and he is bored silly. In fact, one scene very, very early on, I think it's one of the first, very first scenes of the movie, first four minutes, the co-pilot falls asleep. He's sitting there. It's on autopilot. He is bored silly. He clicks off autopilot and jerks the steering wheel, the steering wheel, the steering column, uh, yeah. jerks flight the yoke. Control. Yeah, jerks the flight control. And the the bag it shows the baggage bins opening and people like like stuff stuff coming out and it shows the uh, the the bags dropping that people breathe into the oxygen bags dropping and he jumps on the thing and goes oh, from the flight deck we've had some uh, air turbulence he's just doing the turbulence because he's bored and mm-hmm. so when the CIA reaches out to him at minute five or six in the movie you know the motivation you know yeah. he's like my life is so boring I got to have something better and his life goes from boring to uh, crazy. Not boring. Yeah, he gets involved with a, a guy you may know called Pablo Escobar, and uh, the, personally, I know him. Yep, he's a yeah, stud. And the and and the Medellin uh, cartel. Uh, it's it's some serious. We're serious like stuff this, that right? <laughs> yeah. You were right. Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Were so um, big thumbs up for American Made. Uh, you know what? Uh, Cheryl didn't really even. She's like, ah, not my kind of movie. Not not sure I want to see it. But she went along because the trailers were so good, and she absolutely loved it too. So even if you think it's not your kind of movie, I think you'll you'll it enjoy. Might be. It. Okay. Yeah, I'm hooked. I'm in. Good stuff. It. All right, guys, go see American Made. We'll see you on Friday. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is. Military Appreciation Month, and I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.